This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, that song is one of the songs on our worship CD, and a number of the songs were entered into a national songwriting contest. And that song, I Got Jesus, by our friend Spike on the harmonica, and then the song Lay It Down by Maria Finkbeiner made it to the top 20 of this national songwriting contest, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. And actually, you can vote for these songs. We're in the voting phase right now. So if you go to New Life's Facebook page, you can find the link to, that, to those songs. You can go to the website. You can vote for them. And if they get to the top, boy, there's some national recognition there. It gets the songs out. And how fun would it be for some songs written right here at New Life to be sung all over the nation at churches on Sundays. That'd be a pretty amazing thing. So go ahead, hop on Facebook. How often do you hear that in church? Hop on Facebook and like our page. And while you're there, go click on that link. You'll definitely enjoy it. Well, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life, and it is my privilege to guide us through the rest of our time together this morning. Well, you received a program when you walked in, and that will help us all get on the same page today. So go ahead and grab that program. And then inside of it, there's a card that says, Start Here. And we ask everybody each week to go ahead and just put your name on that. And then if you're new with us, if you'd put your email address on it, that would be super helpful because a little bit later, if I've earned your trust, I'm going to pass some baskets and I'm going to ask you to go ahead and drop this card in the basket. It's simply a connection card. It's our way to stay connected to you, for you to stay connected to us, the things we're doing in the church and in the city and around the world. And ultimately, when the time comes that you're ready to take that next step in connecting with God, we want to be the church that partners with you to do that. And this card is just a way to help us help you stay connected. So go ahead and get that filled out. The other thing you're going to want are these teaching notes. They've got the Bible story that we're looking at today. They've got some fill in the blanks. And actually, I'm going to ask us to be praying about something for the next month that I'm laying out today in this message. So you definitely want to take that card out or take the, those teaching notes out, fill in those blanks, take that home, and really spend some time, if you're a praying person, really praying into this stuff as we dive into what it looks like to really connect with our community. Well, as you're getting your card filled out, as you're getting your teaching notes out, uh, I want to ask how many of you remember those old Tombstone Pizza commercials. Does anybody remember those? Those were great. Come on, don't be ashamed of it. Product of the 80s and 90s. Raise your hand. Yeah, we aren't going to call on you. But listen, if you don't know those commercials, they were amazing. Here's the, here's the way it looked. There was a guy, Strat comes up, he's tied to like a post, and there's a firing squad in front of him, and this general comes up, and in this really bad accent says, what do you want on your tombstone, right? That's, that's pretty good. And, and he looks, and he's got this pencil-thin mustache, and he says, pepperoni and black olive. And then the guy says, tombstone pizza, Pierre, and they run off and they get him his tombstone. It is a ridiculously bad commercial, but it's awesome. Now, I want to ask you, other than pepperoni and black olive, or, or for me, it would be pepperoni and onion. That's what I would want on my tombstone. But other than pepperoni and black olive, what do you want on your tombstone? Do you ever take time to zoom out and think about that? What do I want to be remembered for? Because I think we all have something in mind, if we actually zoomed out and thought about it, that we want to be remembered for, the legacy we want to leave. What do you want people to say about you when you breathe your last breath, when you take that long blink and never open your eyes again? I think every individual in here probably has something we want to be remembered for. And churches are no different. Churches want to leave a legacy. At our church, I would say some of the things that I want us to be remembered for, some of our legacy is, boy, I want us to be a community of people who's fully engaged with God. 
not perfectly engaged, but fully engaged with God. I want us to be a church that's known for being fun. Uh, I've got some pastor friends in town, and they joke with me, New Life is the church that serves margaritas at communion. That's what they say to me, which I—not yet, not yet. I haven't seen it yet. But what they're saying is, you guys are kind of like the fun church. And I say, yes, Sunday fun day. It sh- we should be the fun church because it's Sunday, people. Can I get some people excited? It is Sunday today. I mean, come on. It's a good day to be with good people in church. But more than that, more than I, I want us to be the fun church, although I, I hope we never lose our sense of joy and our sense of fun, I want us to be known as the church that does everything in our power to knock down barriers that will keep the people of the cities that we love from encountering God. I want us to be a barrier-breaking community. I want us to be the church that when people think, you know what, I think it's time. It's time for me to try out church or to come back to church or to check it out. I want the first thing they think of to, to be new life because new life is a, a safe, fun, engaging place for me to come and check out church. I want every single person in the cities that we love to have the experience that my, Rich, my friend Rich did. I want you to take a look at Rich's story of his time coming to New Life. Go ahead and take a look at the screens. You know, I always thought, I always knew that I was going to do time. That I, that sooner or later I was going to get busted. And I did on multiple charges. And I ended up in Nevada. That's where my crimes were. I rolled over from California over to Nevada. And when I was taken to prison, um, I had lost everything at that point. Um, I went in very hateful, mean and bitter. I lost my children, my wife, my home, everything that I thought was where a good man was supposed to be or a man was supposed to have. But what I didn't have was a relationship to God. I ended up in prison and uh, ended up in the worst prison of all, and I needed that. I needed to be broke off. I needed to be slammed down. Um, If I had any game left at all, I was going to roll on it. And in prison, going in mean and hateful, I didn't want to live. I didn't want to live anymore, but I didn't have what you would call the guts to take myself out, but I didn't have the guts to live life either. At that time, I realized I had nothing else left. Nothing. And um, I hit my knees. There's got to be something. All my life, I've been saying, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, introduce me to that woman. Oh, God, get me out of this. Oh, God, please let my bike start. I mean, just, oh, God, it was little, little, tiny, um, what we call foxhole prayers. But when I got to prison, something happened. And I asked God. I said, please, this is not the way I want to go anymore. And I hit that floor. In those seven months, I prayed to God. In 2010, I got out of prison. This is my hometown, but I did um, I did my journey, I call it my journey, in uh, Nevada. That's where my crimes were. So when I got released, I was released here back to my hometown. I wasn't on parole. I, I was free to do whatever I want. But I know I wanted to go to church. I was doing a lot of studying. I had a lot of time on my hands. And I knew there was a better way in life than what I was living it. And um, I got introduced to New Life Christian Fellowship right here by my uh, dear friend Lorraine Nichols. And uh, within nine days um, of getting out, she introduced me to the church. And I came on a movie night. And uh, I met some people, and they were warm, and they accepted me. I came back to church that following Sunday, and I was just kind of floating around. But people were warm and comforting, and they accepted me um, for who I am and the way I looked. I experienced so much here. 
I no longer have the hatred in me that I used to have, that I used to just thrive on, live on, that sour taste in your stomach. Um, it was ugly. I have learned how to love, how to forgive, what joy really is, how to smile and laugh, how to keep friends. I love life again. You know, like that, like that chick Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. You know, they were on a journey, and, and I'm on a journey too. And I, I have absolutely, you know, on my journey, I have got a heart. I have got courage again. And I have a brain free of distortion. And like Dorothy, there is no place like home. And this is my home. story that I dream for every person that walks through these doors. They welcomed me. They loved me. They engaged with me. It didn't matter where I'd been or what I'd done or how I looked. This was a safe place for me to come and connect with God. And I see you guys crying. Listen, I've watched that six times. This is the first time I didn't start to cry. So I get, I get it. And can I tell you this? For 17 years, those of you who have been around this church, you have made this that type of community. I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because listen, when Rich came through these doors, he didn't actually meet me. He met you and you and you, and you loved him. And listen, we've been a church with a history of breaking down barriers. And we're in this series that we're calling Me to We. And if you're brand new with us, we're in week two. This is, uh, it's got another four weeks in this series. And we're looking specifically in this series about what it looks like to break down some barriers that we see on the forefront or on the horizon of our church that could keep people in our cities from encountering God. And we're looking specifically at what it would look like for us to leverage our financial resources for the sake of our community, to move our finances from me to we, to be a church that breaks down barriers because we want to leverage ourselves. We want to be a community that lives beyond these four walls, don't we? We know that church is far more than, than what happens inside this building. We want to leverage what happens in here for the sake of our cities. We, we want to be a community that lives beyond any one of our lives, that goes for generations. And in fact, we want to be a community that echoes into eternity. And I know what you're thinking. That seems like a, a big, bold dream and vision. And I want to tell you, it is. It is. And there's no way we could do this on our own. But I have good news. We're not on our own. We have God in this journey with us. And God's dream has always been for his church, his gathering, his community to break down any barrier that they see so that the cities around them, the people they love, can come and encounter him. And today what I want to do is I want to go way back to the very first me to we gathering, the very first gathering of Christians. And we find their story in Acts chapter 2. But the story behind the story goes something like this. And we just looked at this a few weeks ago on Easter. On a Friday, Jesus was nailed to a cross. He was crucified and he was dead. And everybody thought he would stay dead. In fact, two women went to the tomb that Sunday and they were going to rewrap his clothes in, in burial clothing. But when they got there, there was, there was nobody there. And I can tell you, neither those women nor anybody else, nobody expected nobody on Easter Sunday. Nobody, that's good. Nobody expected nobody on Easter Sunday. But these women got there and there was nobody. There was no body, and they went out. Yeah, they went out. And they told this story, and it's so good. God used these two women to tell the greatest 
story, the greatest news that had ever been. And actually, I've been thinking about next Easter, because we just had a great Easter a few weeks ago. I'm thinking about next Easter and talking about these two women. And I want to title the message, That's What She Said. That's what she said, because... It's because it's true. What, what these two women said, the fact that God used these two women to tell the greatest story ever, says so much about God and about the fact that Jesus really did rise from the dead. That's what she said. So come back next Easter. It's going to be, it's going to be really, really good. But God used these two women to share the story. And God, Jesus then revealed himself, not just to these two women, but to over 500 people alive. 500 people saw Jesus alive. And then they told their story. And it began to spread, and, and then Jesus left earth and went to heaven. He ascended to be with God the Father. And after that, a small group of men and women gathered together in a room. They began to pray, God, how would you use us to reach our city? They were in Jerusalem at that point. How would you use us to reach our city? And one day as they were praying, God's Spirit came upon them, and they went out into the streets, and they began to share powerfully the things that God had done, that Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus was offering forgiveness of our sins, freedom from regret. He was offering us partnership with God. And we find what happened in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. As this guy Peter gets up and he shares this great story about God's love and God's forgiveness, it says, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. There were about 3,000 people who were added to their number who were baptized that day. And then in verse 42, it gets into this, this gathering, this community that formed. And it says this gathering of people, this church, this community, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold their property and their possessions and they gave to anyone who had need. I want you to, to underline verse 45 because we're going to come back to that. They sold their property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together and they had glad and sincere hearts. They were praising God and they had the favor of the people. They had the favor of the city of Jerusalem. And I love this last part. This is, this is my dream for our church. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved or those who were encountering the life-changing love of Jesus. I remember being 17, and I had, I had flirted with Christianity. I would say I was even engaged to it. My parents would take me to church once a month or twice a month, and, and I'd had those camp experiences, this and that. But at 17, I had what I call a faith awakening experience. I was out in a field. I just heard the story about God's great love for me. And I looked up to God, and I said, God, if this is true and you really love me, Boy, I will follow you wherever you want to take me, wherever you want to take me. I'm, I'm all in. I'm not dating the idea. I'm not, I'm not engaged to it. I am, I'm married to the idea of following you for the rest of my life. And that moment changed everything for me. But about three months later, I was back home, and I was, I was finishing up my, my senior year of high school. And I began to wonder, well, now, now what? I, I prayed this prayer. I made this decision. But What's next for a Jesus follower? And the cool thing about Acts chapter 2 is it tells us now what? It tells us what's next when we first give our lives to God. And for some of you who are brand new, this is just some great stuff for you to know. It says, after becoming followers of Jesus, this meet-a-wee community in Acts chapter 2 did a few things. One, they got baptized. It says 3,000 of them were baptized on that day. And here's what baptism is. It's an outward expression of an inward change. 
what they would do is they would take you and they would take you to a river and they'd dunk you underwater, symbolizing you dying to your old life when you lived by yourself. And then they'd raise you out of the water, symbolizing that you had a new life with God, that God had changed you. It was an outward expression of an inward transformation. And at New Life, we do that same thing. And I want to invite you, on May the 17th is our next baptism service. If you've never been baptized, but you've had that inward transformation where you, you had kind of a, an experience like I had out in that field where you said, God, I'm all in. I'm with you. Then I want to invite you on May the 17th, be part of our baptism service. Come and get baptized. You can write down on your connection card, on that Start Here card, just write baptism on there somewhere, or, or like dunk me, or I'm getting wet. I don't know. Write something on there. We're pretty smart. We'll figure out what you mean, because we want to help you get baptized. We'll get you some resources about what that looks like, why you would want to get baptized, what, what it means, the spiritual implications of it. But they got baptized. That was one of the first things they did. And May 17th, you can do what they did. You can get baptized right here in one of our services. We do it in each of our three services, and it's going to be so powerful. And then the next thing that they did was they engaged with God in large and small group communities. It says in verse 46, they met together in the temple courts. That was like their church service where they had teaching, where they were challenged to think and live beyond themselves, to be people who lived with less regret and more purpose, where they worshiped and they celebrated God. They celebrated that Jesus died, but that he rose again. All the stuff that we celebrate when we come together. And then it says they broke bread in homes. That was their small group gathering. Because you can imagine if 3,000 people all decided to join New Life at one time, boy, there'd be no way to get to know everybody and people would get lost. And they didn't want anybody to get lost or fall through the cracks. So they had these small group gatherings where they would meet in homes and they would have meals together. And at New Life, we call those small group gatherings life groups. Life groups are just these small groups of people, 5 to 15 people who gather together who share life, who form friendships, who have an authentic community where they encourage each other, challenge each other, walk through questions and doubts together. Uh, my whole family was sick this past week, and it was people from my life group who were calling me just to say hi, check in. Do, we need, do you guys need any food? Do you need anything? It's that kind of stuff that life groups do. And a little bit later on this morning, if you're not in a life group, I'm going to give you a chance to join one. So if at any point today you decide you want to check this out, maybe I lose you for a second. I don't think I will. This is pretty good stuff. But in case I do, you can grab this life group brochure and just look through it because there's tons of great life groups. Life groups start up this week. So I want to get everybody plugged into a life group so that we can have large group like we are here, worship services, but that none of us would get lost because we have this small group gathering just like they did in the early church. But there was one more thing that I noticed from this early community, and I want to I focus in on this for the rest of our time together because it was a key thing that was a distinctive of this church. See, this early gathering of people in Acts 2, they saw the needs of their community, and they gave beyond their cash flow. They gave beyond their income streams. Did you notice what verse 45 said? It said they sold property and possessions to meet needs. They didn't just give out of convenience. They gave beyond to meet the, the meet the needs of this community and to break down barriers. And the outcome of it was that the Lord was adding daily to their number those who came to know and love Jesus. Boy, that's a pretty good description of what it means to be a church, to be a gathering of people. Community, friendship, meeting needs, engaging with God, lives being changed, and people coming to know God as their personal Savior. 
And one of the key distinctives of the early church, if you read ancient literature, you can read Roman historians would talk about these Christians, these early gatherings, and they said they're really, they're really weird. They're really weird. And that every time they get together, they say that they're, they're drinking their God's blood and eating his bread because they were celebrating communion, but the Romans didn't get it. They didn't understand that. He said, but there's something about them that draws everyone in. And it wasn't communion, interestingly enough. It said it was that they met the needs of their cities. They were constantly meeting each other's needs. It said they're the most generous, giving, open people you'll ever meet. And it was that distinctive that really exploded Christianity or these Christian gatherings in every city they went to. They were unlike all the other people because they lived beyond themselves, because they gave beyond themselves, because they knew what they wanted on their tombstone. And it was more than pepperoni and black olive. They wanted to leave a legacy of people encountering God. And here's what I'm so excited about, is that you and I have the opportunity to continue this type of legacy that Christians have been doing for over 2,000 years. God's on the move in our cities. There's no doubting that. The fact that we had almost 1,000 people come to join us on Easter Sunday, that shows us that God's on the move. 977 people came on Easter Sunday, and did you know that seven people made first-time decisions to commit their lives to God on Easter Sunday? That's pretty exciting, isn't it? God's on the move in our cities. He's drawing people to himself as we break down barriers. But can I just zoom out for a second and tell you the things I see God doing? Because I think when we get into it, when we're, when we're part of the church for a long period of time, we lose sight of how special this gathering is. But do, do you ever stop to think about the fact that we have probably some of the best musicians in Sonoma County leading us in worship? They're, they're like top-notch worshiping. They're so good. And they think, and they dream, and they pray on our behalf, and they write songs for our community. They're doing great. Man, we're part of something special with this worship team. My communication, it's getting a little bit better every week. And if you've been here, if you were here six years ago when I started preaching, you can just say amen right now. Like, amen, it's getting better, baby. It's getting better. Uh, There are some sweet uh, older ladies who sit over here during third service. And when I first started preaching, they would come up to me after service, grandmothers, I just love them to death. And they would put their hands on my cheek. Sometimes they'd pinch and they give me a little kiss, and they say, Kevin, we love you. I was 26, something like that. We love you, Kevin. But you speak so fast. Please slow down. We can't understand you. We love you. We're sure God's saying some great stuff, but we don't know what he's saying because you talk too fast. Listen, God is refining me. If you think we're doing good now, give me 20 years, baby. That's a lot of Sundays. We'll be, we'll be hitting it. We'll be hitting it. Our life groups are going like gangbusters. I used to lead life groups. I can tell you, we've never been better equipped than we are right now under Pastor Angela's leadership to form authentic friendships, to form community, to engage with God in real ways in our life groups. If you've never been in a life group, now is the time to dive in. Our student ministries are, are going great. We have 20 students already signed up for summer camp, junior and senior high students. That's more than we've ever had, I think, in the history of our church, and there's still space. So if you want to talk to Pastor Jake out in the lobby, he's our student pastor, about getting your junior high and senior high students signed up, go talk to him or find me. I'll plug you in with Jake. But God's doing great stuff with them. Uh, we're in the midst of a children's pastor search But even in the midst of that, we had a friend come out, and she's helping us find the right pastor for our church. She's part of a consulting group, and she was here last Sunday kind of flying under the radar. And she said to me at the end of the day, Kevin, you guys, kind of with shock at her eye, Kevin, you guys have have great children's ministry already. You have great children. Not not like— 
for a church that doesn't have a pastor. She just said, you have great children's ministry. And I said, well, that's because we have great volunteers and we have great leaders who lead that ministry. But if you have kids in our kids' ministry, I want you to know it's great now. It's only getting better. It's only, God's doing great stuff in our church. But I talked last week about the fact that even though God's doing some great stuff in our church and we believe that as we knock down barriers, God's going to keep bringing people in. I said, I think there's some barriers on the horizon. And because you guys have real jobs and you actually work for a living, you don't think about barriers all the time, but this is my job. All I do is I think about how do we knock down barriers to reach our city with the love of Jesus. And I can tell you there are some barriers on our horizon that are out there a little bit right now, but as we continue to reach our city, as we grow to 700, 800, 900 people, those barriers are going to come right to our doorstep. And the closer they get, the bigger they're going to get. And I want us, it's my responsibility, it's my privilege as our pastor to say, hey, church, look, there's some barriers out there and we can knock them down pretty easily now. But if we don't knock them down now, they're going to get to our doorstep and they're going to be pushing people away from God. And so I want to talk to you about those barriers, and then I want to talk about the vision that I believe God has given our church to break down those barriers as we become the most generous church in Sonoma County. Can I do that? Is that okay? All right. A few quick Did someone say no? You better not over there. Okay, that was a rhetorical question. Or at least you say yes. 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 Can I get a yes? I'm having fun. We are having 10 to 20 new people come to our church every week. Do you know how unheard of that is? That is unheard of in a church. People like, if churches had 20 new people a year, they'd be like ecstatic. We got 20 new people a week. And I watch people come in. They're connecting with God. They're having a great time. They stay for six or eight months, but they have a hard time getting connected because we don't have enough pastoral resource to care for them. We just, we just don't. And so they're falling through cracks. And six months later, eight months later, they're walking back out the door. Why? Because we don't have the pastors in place to lead the ministries to engage those people when they come in. And pastoral resourcing is a barrier that we've got right now. And it's, it's a financially expensive barrier. But I'm telling you, if we're going to reach our cities, we need to knock down that barrier. I believe God's inviting us to hire at least one, if not two new pastors this year. And if I was really dreaming, if I was totally honest with you, I'd say there are probably three pastoral positions that I think need to be filled now in our church if we're going to knock down every barrier that God has for us and reach our city. But that's, that's a barrier we've got right now. Our facility, as great as it is, it's a barrier. I told you guys last week, and I, I see you're brave. You're still sitting in this area. I guess it's sunny outside right now. I told you, we've got a leaky roof, and every time it leaks, it leaks right there, and that's a barrier. If you come to church, and you don't know, and you sit down, you're trying to connect with God for the first time, and all of a sudden, you feel drip, drip, drip. Okay, that is a barrier we got to fix. And that's like a thirty to $40,000 barrier that we got to fix. It's in, our, it's in our horizon. Listen, I don't want to, I, I want to pray that God ends the drought. But right now I'm praying that God would end the drought Monday through Saturday. Honestly, that's what I'm praying. And that's bad, man. That's bad. Because I want to be able to rain all week long. But right now I'm praying God keep it sunny on Sunday. So that, that barrier is in our distance because the sun's coming out. But listen, when it gets rainy again, that barrier is right up in our face. It's right up in our face. We got to break that down. Our parking lot's a barrier. It looks like an abandoned warehouse out there, and that, that's great on Halloween, not so great the rest of the year. It just, it just isn't. And when guests come, did you know that they make up their mind in the first five minutes about whether or not they're going to come back? Just by the look of the building, before a song is sung, before I say a word, before they even get their kids into kids' ministry, they've already decided, statistics say, whether or not they're going to come back the next week. It has everything to do with what they see out there. So abandoned warehouse is no longer good enough for us if we want to knock down that barrier so that our friends can connect with God. So we've got a uh, parking lot paving project that's taken a little longer than we thought, but here's the good news. 
because of the generosity of some companies that people own in this church and because of some other entities, it should be about a three or $400,000 project. New Life's not going to have to pay a dime for that project, and the parking lot's going to get paid. That's a pretty exciting thing. I know you hear it. You still should clap. Once we do that, we want to build out a sports court out there, basketball courts, volleyball standard. Uh, you know where your kids go running into the, the parking lot every week and almost get hit? By the way, not a good idea unless they're totally prayed up, okay? Um, they run out there. That's supposed to be like a huge patio area where you could just sit and talk to friends and drink coffee and have a great time. So that when people drive onto our campus, you know what they would think? Wow, these people had their stuff together. We, we, aren't, we aren't some backwoods uh, you know, house with your four by four sitting on the front lawn. That's not the kind of church we want to be. You know what I'm talking about. Is that too much? Is that too close to home? Listen, that's not us. Dead grass, big truck. That's not us, okay? We want to like have this place look nice for people because right now that's a barrier. And it might seem like a silly barrier to us, but we're not doing this for us. We're doing this for our cities to knock it down so that our, our friends can encounter God. So our friends can encounter God. We have a dream right now of intentionally guiding every single person in our church in specific areas when you need it, whether it's parenting or marriage or finances or vision uh, or a deeper understanding of the Bible. When you have a felt need, we have a dream of being able to give you personal classes on Sunday morning to help you achieve that dream. But right now we can't because we have an internal space barrier. We don't have enough classrooms to do that in. So what we want to do is we want to build a stairway in the lobby. We want to have four upstairs classrooms so that you could meet during services. Your kids can go into kids' ministry, and you could be trained, mentored, discipled in some area of your life during Sunday services. But right now we got a barrier. There's no space to make that happen. These are just barriers that I see in our future, and we dream of being the church that by the end of this year reaches 800 people a week. But if we do that, that barrier is going to come right up in our face, and it's going to look like a mountain. So why don't we talk about it now so we can break it down when it's in the distance? And here's how, here's how I believe God is calling us to break down this barrier. In order to leave a legacy of breaking down barriers, I think God is inviting us to a meet a we generosity, jumpstart. Now, the whole idea of a jumpstart, I, I came into crystal clarity when I was 22. I just graduated from college, and for the first time in my life, I had over $1,000 in saving. I was a thousandaire. It was very exciting. I believe I made $13,000 that year, and that was more money than I'd ever seen in my life. I was single. I was living life. I had like four roommates in a two-bedroom apartment, so, so we had a little extra cash, and I thought to myself, well, what's a 20-something supposed to do? I'm going to buy a motorcycle because, like Rich, I'm kind of a, a tough guy, you know, with my motorcycle. That's not really a joke, but okay. So I had dreams of like this big hog, you know, a big, but I bought this Honda motorcycle that was like this big, okay? So had my little skull cap on, had my skateboard on the back. And um, the problem with my motorcycle is it cost about $400, and I didn't want to put any money into it to fix it, but at stoplights, it would stall about half the time. And here's how you have to jumpstart a motorcycle. If you can't kickstart it, because the kickstart didn't work, here's how you have to jumpstart a motorcycle. I would get off of my motorcycle in the intersection and stand there with cars lined up behind me. And when the light turned green, I would run the motorcycle into the intersection, <laughs> jump on, pop the clutch, and it would launch forward. That's how you jumpstart a motorcycle. So maybe you saw this in 2003. You saw me jumpstarting my motorcycle all through Roner Park. It was super embarrassing, but it taught me 
the benefits of a jump start. You run and it's kind of clunky, but you get on, you jump start it, and boy, you launch forward on that motorcycle. I was feeling the breeze, and I learned to make a lot of right hand turns so you never have to stop at stoplights. And just like, I know, man, this is so fun. Just like jump starting my motorcycle, launched it forward. I think a generosity jumpstart is what God is calling us to do, to launch our church forward, to launch our church forward. I shared back in February that one of the dreams God has given us, and our dreams are up on the wall, but one of them is that we would be known as being the most generous church in Sonoma County, that our general giving would, be, would increase by over $220,000 to over a million dollars in general giving this year. Why? So we can break down barriers and reach our community. That's why we want to be the most generous church in Sonoma County. And if we can do this generosity jumpstart, and if we can start regularly for the next couple years having over a million dollars in general giving, you know what? We could break down every one of those barriers I just talked about and some more. We absolutely can. But we got to jumpstart this thing. And I believe God is inviting all of us, all of us to do that. Not just one extremely wealthy person. I think God's calling all of us to jumpstart our generosity so that we can be the church that breaks down barriers. And here's what this looks like. There's next steps for all of us. And this is what I want you to pray about for the next month. So make sure you're taking notes. I think every one of us can be part of this jumpstart. And so here are just some options. If you currently don't give anything to the church, maybe you practice generosity in other places, but you're new to new life, you don't currently give anything here. I want you to pray about becoming a purposeful or a regular giver. Purposeful. Some amount on a regular basis. If you're new to new life, this is a great next step for you just to do some regular generosity. You'll be amazed at what it does in your heart. You'll be amazed at what God does through your resources as you practice regular generosity. If you currently give regularly, here's a next step for you. You could pray about becoming a percentage giver. Maybe right now you throw some money in the basket when it's passed, but it changes based on what you have in your wallet or how good the sermon was or what you had for dinner last night. You know, it it just changes. And there's nothing wrong with that, but could I invite you to pray about becoming a percentage giver? Praying and looking at your budget and saying, okay, God, what percentage of of my income would you have me give? 2%, 3%, 5%, 7%. And then commit to that and give generously in that way. Maybe some of us here are already percentage givers. You give 2% or 3% or 5%. I want to invite you to pray about becoming a person who gives the full tithe, which is the full 10% of your income. Now, if you're new to church, the tithe is something that God laid out in the Old Testament of the Bible. He said, I want you to bring me the full tithe, the first 10% of your income, so that I can do and leave a legacy in the church that I want to leave. It was started in the Old Testament, and God continued it in the New Testament through Jesus. He talks about the tithe, bringing the tithe, the first 10%. And listen, I know we're all at different places, both in our financial journey and in our spiritual journey, and trusting God with, with a full 10%. But can I, just, can I just pull over to the side of the road? Last week, we talked about being at a coffee shop together, just me and you. And if we were back at that coffee shop, here's what I would say to you. I'd look you in the eye, not knowing where your finances are right now, not knowing where you're at in your spiritual journey, and I would say to you, if I could, if I could, I would pray that you would go straight to 10%. And here's why. That 10% mark is a mark where God constantly and consistently says, test me in this. Give me the first 10%, and watch me do miracles on your behalf. He says that. And I want that for you. I want that for all of us, that we would be able to test God and watch him work on our behalf as we practice that tithe generosity, that 10%. So for some of you, maybe you're praying about that being your next step. But for others of us, maybe you currently tithe. 
I want you to pray about potentially becoming an extravagant giver who gives beyond 10%, 11, 12, 13. And I'm going to say something right now, and I, I would never say it to, to pat myself on the back, but I will say it because I want you to know I would never ask you to do anything that I and my family aren't already doing. I can tell you, when my family moved from that 10% to becoming extravagant givers, we went up one percentage one year, then a few years later we went up another percentage and another. And as we did that, I can tell you that's one of the greatest joys of my life. It was when I moved into that extravagant realm that I watched God, because we were giving beyond our abundance at that point. I watched God come through for me and my family, and I watched God bless other people because of our generosity. And for some of you, you've been staying at the tithe for quite a while. Maybe it's time to pray about taking that next step and trusting God with your resources a little more, a little more. And here's what we're going to do for the next month. We're going to talk specifically about what it looks like to be a gathering of people who leverages our resources for the sake of our city. It's that simple. Not for our own sake, for the sake of our cities. We're going to talk about how uh, collective generosity, what we can do together, is so much more powerful than what any one of us could do as we practice generosity on our own. We're going to talk about the S word, sacrifice. We're going to talk about sacrifice in the church, the S word. That's funny. I might title that message, the S word. That's kind of fun. It's not a four-letter word, though. Darn it. It's like sacra. Nope, doesn't work. This is what happens in my brain. In case you're wondering, this is what happens. We're going to talk about where faith plays in to our finances. We're going to have a whole week on faith. And then on May the 17th, we're going to have a commitment Sunday where I'm going to invite every single one of us to commit to taking one next step in our generosity for 12 months. For one year, I'm going to ask all of us to take one next step in our generosity, and I'm going to have you write it down. And here's why I'm doing that, so that as a church leadership team, we know what we can do to break down barriers for the next year based on the commitments of our church. Because right now, we're kind of flying blind. What are people going to give? What's that going to look like? Well, if we know a general idea of where we're going, boy, we know who we can hire, what we can do, um, whether or not we can build, how we can grow, so that we can reach our city. And some of you are here right now, and you might be thinking— Oh, this seems like it's, it's all about money. Can I, can I just tell you, on one level, this series is all about money. It's all about money. Let's just say it. This is all about money, okay? What, what we're doing is we're asking God to use our money to reach our city. That's what we're doing. We're asking God to help us love our cities enough that we would sacrifice our resources so that we could break down barriers, so that our our spouse, our kids, our coworkers, our neighbors could come to know Jesus. On that level, this series, it's all about money, and I have no apologies for it because I think God wants us to leave that kind of legacy in our church and in our city. But in another sense, this series isn't really about money at all because at the core of this series, we're asking God to grow our faith in his faithfulness. And here's what I mean by that. Money promises us certain things. Money promises us hope and security and joy and fulfillment and purpose. Did you know that God offers us those same things? God offers us hope and security and joy and fulfillment and purpose. But here's the problem. Money can never deliver on its promises. And God always does. And if you're here right now and just the idea of giving money or talking about money brings up this like, oh, inside of you. It could be because somewhere down deep, money has promised you hope, 
security, joy, fulfillment, and purpose. And God has promised you the same things, but, but your hope has accidentally shifted to money. And so what I want to do in this series is I want to talk honestly about that. I want to talk about the emotions that generosity brings up so that we can move our trust away from money and over to God. Because ultimately, you and I both know this. Money can never deliver on its promise. But God always can. He always can. And if you're here today and you're brand new, and you're scratching your head thinking, why on earth would people even consider this? I want to talk to you for a second. So tune the rest of these people out. Here's some inside information. This is why they're considering this. Because we believe that when Jesus gave his life on a cross to pay for our sins, he sacrificed himself. He gave himself. He gave everything so that we could experience God's great love. That's what we believe at our core. And we want to be the kind of people who are willing to give of ourselves so that you can experience God's great love. It's that simple. This whole series fundamentally is so that we can give of ourselves so that you, if you're, if you're brand new with us today, so that you can experience God's love. And if you're here and you've never had an experience like my friend Rich had when he prayed and gave his life to God, if you've never had an experience like I had out in that field where I prayed and said, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go, do anything you want me to do. If you've never committed your life to God, can I invite you that today is your day to do that? God has knocked down every barrier that would keep you from him. And he's inviting you right now to come and to know him and to follow him. And I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to give you a chance to pray a prayer of commitment where you would say yes to God and yes to following him and yes to partnering with him. And it's the best decision you could ever make. So if you're ready to make that decision, let's close our eyes. Let's pray together. I want to give you a chance to do that. You can repeat these simple words after me if you're ready to make that decision today. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin. And today, I want to start a relationship with you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk with you every day from this day forward, even as I walk into eternity? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, as we wrap our time up together, I want to draw your attention back to that Start Here card because I want us to do some things together. For all of us in here, I want to ask you as my friends to partner with me in praying this month. And praying simply this, praying that God would begin to show you what your next step is in this generosity jumpstart. It's that simple. I want you to pray about, God, what's my part in this plan? Next week, we're going to talk about how even the smallest next step combined with 600 people can make a huge impact. And I can't wait for you guys to come back and hear about that. Pastor Ron's going to be preaching that. I'm so excited to have him up on stage sharing with us. It's going to be so good. But if you would commit to taking that journey with me and praying about this, just being willing to ask the question, would you mark that on your card? And then below that, it says, I'm entering into a first-time relationship with God through Jesus. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you mark that on your card so that we can pray for you by name this week and so that we can connect with you this week and give you some resources to help you on this journey? Because you're definitely not alone. You're part of a community now. We want to partner with you on this journey. So if you made those decisions, mark that on your card. In just a second, we'll pass those, some baskets, and you can drop that card right into the basket. Put your prayer requests on there, your answer prayers on there as well. We're also going to be receiving the offering in just a minute, so if you came prepared to give, you can use the envelope right inside your program, and you can put your tithes and offerings in there. You can also, amen to that. I would like to see some more cheering happening at the offering time as time goes on, just at least by the end of the series. That's all I'm saying. Um, 
You can also text to give. I think we have the number up on the screen. You can text to give. It should be up there in a second if you want to do that. But while they're getting that stuff ready and while you're getting everything ready, if you're not in a life group, I don't want us to leave this place without giving you a chance to join a life group. So on the seat backs in front of you, you've got your life group brochures. If you're not in one, and there are already, I don't know, 250 of us in groups, but if you're not one of those people, I want you to get in one today. Groups start on the 19th. And uh, I want to highlight one group in particular. If you're new to new life in the last year or so, there's a group in here called New to New Life, and it's for you. It's for a group for people who have never been in a life group before, or for people who are new in the last six months to a year. So they, because right now you're at kind of a, um, you're at a tenuous spot. You've been coming to new life, you like it, you're connecting, but the truth is you aren't really connecting on a deep level because there are too many people here to connect with on a deep level. New to new life life groups are a great spot for you to meet other people who are similar. New-ish to new life, checking this out, having the same questions, engaging. And my buddy Glenn is going to be leading that group. It's going to be so fun. He's new-ish to new life as well, and he has been loving it, and he can't wait to connect with you. If you want to join that group, it's on Tuesdays. It says new to new life. There's a code in there. It says T-U-E-N-2. If you wanted to join that life group, all you would do is grab your connection card, and under your name and email, you would write T-U-E-N-2, and you'd be in the New to New Life life group. Like I said, if you've never been in a group, or if you're new in the last year or so, that's a great group for you. But there are other great groups for you as well. We're going to spend 30 seconds where you can find the group that's right for you and sign up, then we'll pass those baskets. Hit it, Marco. seconds. All right, let's pray. We're going to pass those baskets. Sign up for that card. You can put your connection card and your tithes and offerings in. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to practice generosity even now. Thank you that as we practice collective generosity, you do more through us as a community than we could ever do individually. And that is such a gift that you've given to the church, Lord. So thank you for this opportunity to give. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Those baskets are being passed. You can drop in your connection card and you can drop in your tithes and offerings. Uh, and I want to highlight a few things while you're doing that. One is on May the 31st, I want you to mark your calendars. We're going to have a worship and missions night on May the 31st. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be a big worship night where we're going to celebrate and sing together. And then the people who represent our various missions organizations that we partner with and our global outreach efforts are going to share just five minute snippets of what God's doing through their ministry right now so that we can celebrate that. We can pray with that. It's going to be a wonderful time. That's May the 31st and it's a Sunday evening and I think you're going to love it. So mark your calendar for May 31st. The other thing I want to say is this. Sometimes when we talk about generosity, we think we need to manufacture something to help God out. But can I tell you, God is always more generous than we are. Just one example. We've been praying because our volunteer computers in the office and our kids' computers are all about to die, all of them. We've been praying for the resources to get new computers. Well, a new lifer works for a company, and they were getting rid of their computers. And they didn't sell us seven new computers. They gave us seven brand new computers. Yeah. And here's the thing. Each one of those computers is better than every office computer we have. So our volunteers now have better computers than all of our pastoral staff. It's very exciting because God just loves to bless 
his church, when we're doing what he's called us to do. So just so you know, yeah, we're talking about generosity, but only because we have a generous God and it's fun to partner with him. Hey, I'll see you back here next week as we continue Meet a We. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.